December 6th in the year 2023, as my voice still struggles along. For those of you that have recommended honey and other things, I have been taking some, so thank you. I actually mixed up a mix tonight of honey and apple cider vinegar and, and heated that up, and that's actually really good for the throat. And, of course, I've got a bunch of throat lozenges here, which are Ricola's, which should help and hopefully get this thing going. The funny thing is it's not even a sore throat. It's just irritating because it doesn't want to go to full volume. <laughs> That's what it is. It's like, I rebuke this devil is what I do. Patriots got a lot um, of things in our world going on, and it's 
nothing's getting any less stupid. It's just getting more so. And with that, I think that as we sit back and we really look at the perspective of where things are, we have to start asking ourselves in these deeper questions of the way ahead and what is valuable and what is of value to us in this walk and what is not. Before I go on real quickly, um, one thing is very clear, and unfortunately, in this time in which we live, is there is a constant and degrading issue of security in our world. You do need to res- be responsible for your family and, the, and your home to protect it. And the increasing costs of range time and ammo, especially in a time of expenses and deflating and the dollar value going down, it's... Um, all those things can add up quickly. So I would highly recommend you check out iTargetPro. That's the letter iTargetPro.com. iTargetPro is an amazing system that allows you to use dry fire techniques to improve your trigger control, your, your sight alignment, general gun handling skills, and the comfort of your home. It uses a laser bullet, which registers on an app that ties to your phone and allows you to share your scores and even compete with one another, which is really quite fascinating. So Head on over to itargetpro.com, itargetpro.com, and use your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S. You're going to get free shipping and 10% off. Well worth it. It's a great time to purchase it as well as a, as a gift because it also allows you to train your family in the comfort of your home and the security of your home. So again, itargetpro.com, itargetpro.com, and use your promo code BARDS, 10% off and free shipping. I've got this um, chat that um, really awesome chat. It's a bunch of special operators that were kind of exchanging stuff every day. And really what we're seeing here is something rather profound. It's just a number of people that are being afflicted by this spirit of changing gender. And that's really the one of the major battlefronts we see right now that whatever has happened in our world. And I think it's, you know, the combination of layerings of things from the, death shot to the frequency wars that are going on to the spiritual war that's very real because spiritual is ultimately frequency in many levels. You're seeing people literally at at older age, middle age and so forth, changing their gender. It's rather profound. When you see it, you just have to ask yourself, like, how do we get here and what's going on? I did an interview today with Seth Holhouse of Man in America, which will be on in a week or two, and I'll let you know as soon as I know when it's on. And, and I, he asked me a question, and, and many questions, but one of the big questions, because we had, really didn't do an interview, we did a conversation more than anything, which I think those of you that know me, that's kind of what I prefer anyway. And what he was asking me, because I had made a comment about hope, and he said, how do you have hope in a time like this? And I explained it rather extensively, which I'm going to try to recount a bit for you tonight, because I think at the moment, and I'm going to, I'm just kind of leaning on the Holy Spirit here, because it was truly in a Holy Spirit moment of really looking at where hope lies. Our world is designed to be one of depressive chaos, and it's one of duplicity, it's one of contradiction, it's one of complete contradiction in the ways of the Spirit and everything that we do in our life. We find our lives built around hypocrisies beyond measure, and we are constantly dealing with people that are lying and never telling the truth. That's become the new standard. And the fact is that if we 
put our weight in the institutions of man, what we're going to find is we arrive at a point of failure. If we're going to be looking at politics to fix this, then we're going to end up with a solution that's political to a, to a problem that's spiritually global. If we put our reliance on the broken church, we're going to end up with a broken solution that won't even be reaching the full depth of Jesus because our churches don't even know what the full power of Holy Spirit is anymore since it re most of them reject deliverance, healing, miracle healing, raising the dead, and the greater works of Christ because they don't see those within the grasp of man. If we put our dependency on the Second Amendment, then we end up within a solution that is violent and bloody. And every outcome that we see, if we follow those pathways, leads to something that ultimately there is no victory with. And we know it in our heart and we know it in our soul. And so the system is designed to box you in and show you that there's no way out, or at least try to convince you of that. And as it tries to convince you of no way out, then it tries to tell you that the only way forward is to accept them or release you from this world by committing suicide. And that's kind of its end game, which is everything it is just to destroy, to rape, pillage, and destroy that which God created so perfectly. When we deal with our children, the infestation and infection in their minds is beyond the pale. It is a war that is so evil and an enemy that has no limit that it will do anything to destroy God's perfection. Abortion is just the starting point, as it literally drools over the altar of Baal and Moloch as every child that is brought into those clinics of the Planned Parenthood is vacuumed out and the child screams in a, in a silent scream of heaven. And the mothers have the baby ripped from their womb in this painful experience for a living being that then scars the mother as much as it scars the child. And that child is left in a world, having been promised to enter into this world, that child is left unnamed and sits in a place in heaven when it was supposed to be here, living on this earth. It goes as well with men who have vasectomies. And I was, I was one where you cut off your seed and you're literally aborting children before they arrive into this earth because men carry the seed of life. We have mainstreamed the entire concept of destroying God's gift. We've accepted it. We've come numb to it. We don't fight it. We don't protest it. Worse yet, by our free will, we continue to promote it. We allow abortion, abortion clinics, Planned Parenthood, all of these facilities for vasectomies, tube tying, anything related to birth control to be, to prosper, not be limited. And the greatest gift that God has for us constantly is more children. And yet, in our own arrogance, we believe that we can sit on the throne and tell ours, tell God that we know better than him. The blessings of children are unlimited if God blesses our family. And yet we decide that we'll use, if we have a moral conscience, we try to convince ourselves that it's okay to use interrupted methods to prevent births from happening because we use the explanation that God gave us the flesh and therefore we should indulge in the miracles of the flesh and the experience of the flesh and not have to worry about children. These are foolish arguments. And at the end of this whole deal, this war has always been about the root of the family and destroying it to such a degree that the family can never recover. And that's the problem, because we don't see that. We don't see the root. We see the problems, the chaos, the noise, the confusion, which is all from the father of lies. We'll spend hours endlessly researching some nonsense in a rabbit hole that goes down endlessly into some stuff that isn't even true. We'll try to excuse away, like President Trump, for all of his actions. And believe me, I have done it. 
Do we try to give justification to him for the things he's done, like Operation Warp Speed or approving whatever else he's done related to the injection, pushing it on people to suggest that it's a good thing, and then trying to tell ourselves that he's going to be an idol, a hero, a savior of mankind. Again, we choose politics to solve a problem that's not ours. It's a spiritual and, and kingdom problem, which is truly good versus evil. And, it's, and so when we get to these places, it's easy for us to ask ourselves, how can we possibly have hope? How in the world can we possibly have hope? Because the world is so big and the problems are so immense and the endless rabbit holes of problems continue. And no matter how far we dig, no matter how far we fall, we continue and we continue to go and go and go until it finally arrives at such a point that we, we convince ourselves that we don't have a chance for victory and we forget who God is. We have God, the one God, the true God, the God of hosts, the, the maker of all things. And yet we fall to the greatest lie that somehow he is not capable of overcoming these things and neither are we. It's a very sad, sad point, and we own that because he gave us his only son. His only son, he had put on a, knowing that his only son would be nailed to a cross by the evils of man and the institutions of man who thought that they could kill off God's son and maintain their corrupted practices here on earth. And God was so wise, God was so great, God was so incredible. And he let his only son be sacrificed and set the greatest trap of all time. It was the ambush of ambushes that the enemy slathered over and drooled over and rallied and coaxed people to stand with them, to encourage people to demean him, to throw things at him, to spit on him as he walked through those streets in the most painful and most horrific experience with a, a back flayed to the flesh by whipping carrying his own cross. The mightiness of that man and what he had to accomplish is unprecedented. And the crowds gathered to admonish him, to reject him, to spit on him, God's son. And in so doing, God knew that his son would be nailed to a cross. And in his death, he would seal in blood the contract to free all of mankind. He brought victory in the cross to give victory in our hearts so that we could bring victory to this earth. And yet, as a whole, we do not believe it. We don't step in it. We hesitate. We tell ourselves the story, but we don't understand the gift. Jesus said to us that we have authority over snakes and scorpions and authority over all evil. Jesus told us that we could do all that he did and greater works than he. And you tell me the number of churches that believe that because they don't. The short list, spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, heal the sick and broken, cast out demons, raise the dead, and do greater works. Peter walked on water. Can you? And I say, I can, as long as I have my eyes on Jesus. And this is where the fight is won and lost right here. Because when we put our eyes on Christ and we understand the gift that is given, we have victory in our hands. Because we're not trying to reach victory, we've already been given victory. So, how do we find hope? We begin in the Word. We begin in the Word, in the words of the, red, of the red letter language that tell us exactly how much authority we have, which is just about everything, by the way. Just about. 
Because as long as we pray through Jesus to the Father and in his name, we will, he will hear us and provide what we need. Our prayers will be answered. These are all biblical proofs. And the problem is we arrive at a point where we're living in a world of doubt. A world of doubt where people literally don't want to believe. And we don't want to believe at all the things that are out here. And the powers and authorities that were given to us. This is a time when you have a choice to make. And it's a time which we have to make that choice. Do you believe or do you not? And hope is going to sit in that place of truly believing or not believing. And if you step into that place of believing, there's only one way forward. Either the Bible is 100% true or it's the biggest lie ever portrayed on earth. And there's no in between. You can't sit in the Bible and say that it says one thing and, and you're not going to do it. You can't sit in a Bible and say that I'm going to be one who focuses purely on the specifics of the word, but I'm not going to believe in deliverance. I'm not going to believe in casting out demons. I'm not going to believe in healing the dead. I'm not going to believe in any of that, but I will believe in the word that you are lying to yourself. If we do not believe if we do not believe what Jesus did, what he does, what he said we can do, then I'm going to challenge you with this and say that you are not a true believer. I can't tell you that I can do all of those things. But I can tell you I believe all of those things. And I believe all of those things are possible. I believe there's greater things that we can do than we've ever imagined. Because I've seen it. I've lived it. And I'm walking it because I'm telling God yes. This has become a greater fire in me than I've ever imagined. And it's been a growing fire over the years now since 2017 when I finally re-embraced Christ in the fullness and God gave me a choice to step into that path and never look back. And I have not. And step by step, we went through the process. We followed the politics. We followed the fight. We looked at the things of detail, facts, knowledge, and we dig, dug down in those rabbit holes. And we kept finding dead ends because the dead ends were always the re resulting in the same thing. We arrived at the institutions of men that were broken. But we didn't give up. We pivoted. We tried another. We pivoted. We tried another. We gained a big picture of the optic of how bad things were. But none of us really believed in our heart how bad things were, how truly bad things were. Until COVID con took over the world. And we saw the mass of people being blinded and led astray as we were trying to scream from the balconies and scream from the pulpits that we had in our virtual space to say, stop doing this, you're being led. And they didn't listen and they walked into the greatest disaster of all. So, patriots, the question is, do you believe? And whom do you serve? And in those moments, then, we begin to answer the true sense of our belief and our true sense of hope. Hope is built on the power of our belief in God and in our power of belief in the true miracles of the living God that are 
in us, around us, living with us, blowing through us, becoming great around us as we transform a world because we don't doubt who God is. But if we do, then we've failed. And I personally feel that strongly because if we don't commit 100% to whom our Savior is and take 100% of what he sacrificed to give us, we're fooling ourselves if we believe truly that we're walking a Christian life. Those are harsh. Those are hard lines. People don't like to hear them because what they want to hear is they want to hear that it'll be okay. It'll be steady. It will be a place where we have to slowly walk the path and we don't have to be extreme. We don't, we have to do things gently. We don't have to be so full of ourselves. But rather we can be full of the pulpit and be full of the dead stone walls and we can be full of those comfortable places that tell us that everything's going to be okay and I don't have to do much as long as I throw money in the offering plate. That's not true. I said this word last night and I'll share it again. And it was a word that I was speaking. I was talking to a friend yesterday as I was driving along. And what was amazing is that when this word hit me, it, it, I spoke it and my friend was just like, oh my gosh, Scott, I can't believe what you just said. And here it is. When we look at across our world, we look at the churches and we look at these NGOs and we look at the the idea of giving to people and helping the poor and helping the sick. All of those are being run by 501c3s. And we have comfort in our heart when we give money to them. We hand the tickets of Babylon to them. We nurture them. We feed them. We, we build up their resources. And we tell ourselves, I've done something good for the world. Now, don't get tripped up on the spelling, but listen to the words. They are. Say that they are not what you think they are. So listen to these words. A 501c3 is a non-profit, the work of a prophet, the work of the apostolic, the work of a ministry is to reach into the world and to help them. And everything that we are supporting through the financial donations is literally not of God by name. And so the question is, where is their hope? And if your reliance on hope is out in, in those realms where you think that by giving money to them, by giving support for them, that you are solving a problem for yourself, by solving a problem of the world, by serving God, you are lying to yourself. The power of our word, the power of God's word within us is the power of the true belief in the walk of Jesus. It is either that you can walk that and do all that he said we can do, which is you can do all the things Jesus did and greater works, and either we embrace that and say we are going to run with that, and we run until we save this world or we die trying. Or quite frankly, just go rent a Netflix and watch some movies to make yourself feel good and check out. And I know, I guarantee you, there'll be somebody that'll rebuke me for this, and I'm going to say, I don't care. Because I'm not in this game 
at all to do anything other than to win for God. And so this is the fire that burns within me. And so I go back to this interview today and said, where is, where is their hope? And the answer is the hope sits within the word. The hope sits within the word of Jesus. The hope sits within the authorities that we were given. The hope sits within all that we're capable of doing that we keep telling ourselves we can't. And that's where the power is. So when we pray, I believe we can change the world. When we pray, I believe we can destroy strongholds and fortresses because it says so in the Bible. When we wield our spiritual weapons, we may not have all the knowledge, but I know that if I reach to Holy Spirit, I know that Holy Spirit will provide me with what I need. When I trust in God and he says to do something, even if I don't like it, I'm going to say yes, because I know that whatever he's intending, it is greater than me and greater than I can ever understand. When we lay it all down and we say, here it is, it's laying it all down. When someone says, I've been praying and I'm, I, don't, I, can't pay, I can't do this, I can't do that, I've been praying for this or that. The question I'm going to ask every time is, have you laid it all down before the Lord? And are you now praying into that? Or are you praying into the thing that you need and want? See, because here's the, here's the thing. And I believe this is truly where we make misinterpretations on Scripture. When it, Jesus says your prayers will be answered if you speak of them in my name, I don't believe that means make a shopping list and go to Walmart, nor do I believe that it says that your bank account will be full. Because the bounty of heaven is so great and the miracles are so fantastic that we literally can walk with minimal things in this world and witness the miracles of the living God all around us. It also doesn't say that life will be easy. It doesn't say that God will provide you with a lottery ticket. In that in the conventional sense. But God does provide you with a lottery ticket because once you start to walk in these places of embracing him, you're sitting on the front row seats of miracles. How much greater does that get? So when we're sitting here in a time and we're looking at an enemy that looks like it's overwhelming and we're looking at an enemy that's seating its, its troops within the ranks of and file of every single town and city in this nation, and you're seeing fighting age males coming in and you're seeing Africans coming in and you're seeing a flood of people in as a replacement strategy. And you're looking at an economy that's beginning to falter and you're looking at the banksters that are drooling at the, at the bit, ready to, to start grabbing people's life savings and turn them into their profit and their gain. When you're looking at the war being waged against children and the transgender clinics and conversion clinics that are growing like wildfire across this land, and children are being mutilated and put literally to the altar of Baal and Moloch. When we see the rise of all these other mutilation pieces that are happening to prevent the family from ever rising, and we say to ourselves, but the enemy has an upper hand, and I say, the enemy has not yet faced the living God. Because this is the hour in which earth awaits, all the earth awaits and groans for the awakening of the sons of God. So I want you to ask yourself a very simple question. Have you ever been in a church where the sons of the living God have led that church? And the answer, I guarantee you, is already there. It is no, you have not. Because we have not witnessed that. But patriots, I'll share you my heart with you tonight. I believe we're coming to a point where we will see that. I think it will come from, from fellowships like we have here.
And I think you will see this power rise up. And it will be the true miracles of the living God where we will see miracle healings. We will see mass deliverance. We will see the waking of the dead. And it won't be something that people scoff at or laugh at you about or call you you're crazy or this. It will define that which is of Christ and that which is a mockery of his word. And that means that yet another sword is coming to thresh and put the threshing floor in place to where we will now see the separation before the refinement of the word of Christ and those that are true believers and those that have wandered off into the desert and tried to give a mockery to God's word as if it was the only way forward. Our hope rests not in the flesh, but our hope rests in the power and the mightiness of the Spirit. And it is a vicious war, and it's one that we are ill-equipped to fight, and yet we have to fight it. It's one in which our enemy has spent literally decades, if not centuries, refining, polishing, getting to know the power of its own darkness. It understands the power of the blood. It understands the power of sacrifice. It understands the power of sex magic, rape, opening portals to the demonic, bringing in these forces to occupy a space and to influence people. It understands the power of spellcasting. It understands the power of the corrupted practices of trauma and what it does on a timeline of life. It understands these things as tools of war to be able to defeat God's children. This never was about politics. This was always about destroying God's authority on this earth and destroying his children because they hate who we are. That should wake up fires within you. Fires of righteousness like David stood before Goliath and he looked at somebody and he said, I will take you down because you have defamed the name of my God. And that's how we should all be. And that's the fire of the warrior Christ that awakes and is resting, waiting to be awakened within each of us. The question is, will we? I know I have. And I know that each step that I have, there's another process of going forward that God asks for more. He asks me to place more before the throne. He asks me to give in more. He asks me to lay it down more. And each time I take a deep breath and I'm saying, Lord, I don't know if I can stretch that far. And yet he says, I know you can. And so I say, I will. I just finished a journey to have a surgery, a reversal put on me to redo something I did 21 years ago. The opportunity, the chances of that even working were less than 70% of success rate. This is the living God that the results were better than anything they had ever seen. That's a quote. And the surgery was half the time because it was that good, that perfect, Everything was that right. That's the living God. So now, as I go through this, God puts on my heart the other day, you have a tattoo, and I do. I have a, a tattoo on my, my calf. It was a tattoo that was done before I went to Afghanistan. It was done at a time when I was looking at things not so much through a Christian lens at all. I was looking at things pretty heavily through a lens of, old Norse type thinking. I wanted the war theme on my leg. I put the, I put a raven and a wolf on. A great word was spoken last night here in chat to remind me that I am not a wolf, but a shepherd. And Holy Spirit said, you need to have it removed. So I said, yes, I begin to do the research. I'm leaving tomorrow night, going down to the Church of Glad Tidings where they have a tattoo removal clinic. And I'll begin the process on Friday. 
That's how God works. He opens doors fast. And if we listen and we say yes, those doors fly open and we go. Most people would say, this is ridiculous, Scott. It's a tattoo. Apparently, it's not just a tattoo because it's a portal. It's a way for the demonic to get in or influence. It's a way that God is saying it's time to clean up and to straighten yourself, to refine yourself and purify yourself because what's coming, I need you ready. And I say yes. And so this process that we walk demands of us things greater than sometimes we imagine that we can do. It demands of us to place things down before him. And the results, sometimes it looks like mountains we're going to climb that seem impossible to get to. It seems like the walls that are before us we can't get through. Sometimes the fire that burns within our heart hurts so bad we scream out in pain because it doesn't seem like it's possible to endure. But if we're leaning on him and trusting in him, what he's doing is he's preparing us for the to be able to receive and walk truly in the powers and gifts that were given, the authorities. That means things like the prophetic, the apostolic. It means like the powers of healing, a miracle healing, deliverance, and mass. But you can't get there without being refined because there can't be sin in heaven. So when Jesus says to the adulteress, and he looks to her as he's, to, as he's already cast off her accusers that had stones in their hands, and he says, where are your accusers? And she said, they are not here, my Lord. And then he says these words, go and sin no more. That's a massive statement coming from Jesus. It's something that we're told over and over is not even possible to do. We're told that we're imperfect, that we're told we're not worthy. We're told that we cannot work, live without sin. And yet, Jesus told an adulteress to go and sin no more. The comfortable way out of that statement is to say he only meant it in terms of her adultery. But that is not what it says. And those statements, it was a broad statement. It wasn't specific to adultery. It was a broad statement, and it was pre-cross. So if Jesus is lying or even exaggerating a slight bit, it means that everything on the cross is a lie. And I look at that and I say, well, that can't be, because I believe in everything that he represents. Therefore, there is a way forward here that we don't know that says that we can go and sin no more. And that means we have to go through the fires of refinement constantly. We need to be putting ourselves every single day, laying it down before the throne. We have to be willing to repent constantly until we learn. And we have to ask God for those things that we don't see that we have to repent for and to learn and let him teach us. And all of this is a, is a part of a process of creating greater warriors in this time. We're starting late in many ways, at this level anyway. Sure, there's been foundations of people that have grown up in church and they have those foundations of the Bible and Scripture, but all of those lenses now, if you've grown up that way, most of the you have grown up that way are going to have to break and shatter those lenses in which you see the Scripture anyway. Because the way the churches have taught you have not taught you to be empowered as a true warrior in Christ. They've taught you to be obedient to a pew. And yet this time is calling for the sons of God to stand. And again, I say, that's where the hope lies. Because I don't believe it's limited to anybody special. I don't believe that there's a single person or few that are called. I think the only thing you have to ask yourself is, are you willing to walk in the yes and say, yes, Lord, I will go and be obedient to him in the fullness of what he extends, of, extends his hand for you to do. 
And if you will be there and walk in that, you shall be refined. And as we are refined, we get closer to him. But that means the path of temptation becomes greater for you and us and me. That means the things that are thrown before us are things to pull us off, the things to draw us down, just divide our heart. The obedience that we have is half is to be through our Father, and our Father does not want us to, be, to suffer. He does not seek to have this suffering go along in life to where somehow we have to walk in misery, reject everything, live in austerity, live in poverty, live with an empty heart and pain, trying to sacrifice ourselves daily to him. Because if that was the case, we would not have seen a Jesus that was full of love, that could heal people at a touch, that could walk untempted next to the devil himself. We wouldn't see that. We would see a painful message from Jesus, a Jesus of self-sacrificing and, and miserable, miserable pain. That's the Pharisees. It's not Jesus. But what we have a hard time understanding is what it is to lay it all down. To lay every bit of it down and say, there's nothing in my life, Lord, you cannot have. God, it is all yours. That most passionate desire is find it in your heart. The one thing that you long for. Maybe it's a perfect marriage. Maybe it's children. Maybe it's grandchildren. Maybe it's that dream home that you just long to have. Maybe it's the farm and land. Maybe it's just having an experience with Jesus himself. And so... Whatever that is in your heart, take it before him. Lay it before him and give it to him and say, this is yours, not mine. And if you think for a second that we have a God that will take that from you and not, re and not return that to you in a form greater than you can imagine, then you do not know our God. But our problem is that we frame things in a way that only we can understand them. And our minds are limited by comparison to anything God does. And in so doing, we place God in a box. And that's why we always end up in the same place, that the devil speaks confusion and we submit to him and we look at God and say, oh God, poor me, what do I do? I'm being besieged by the devil and we're losing because we aren't speaking from victory. We're speaking to a place where we believe we still have to get victory and yet Christ gave us victory on the cross. We have the authorities of this land and this earth. We are the sons and daughters of the Most High. We are the priests and princes. And yet, we walk around like slaves. And it all comes back to this simple thing. We have forgotten who we are and whom we serve. And we've taken from our hearts the belief in the mightiness who he is and so we now have to make a choice a big one a time is now there isn't a time to play on this anymore that clock is ticking we're into the end of an era and entering into a new and the question is do you want to walk 
in the authorities of kingdom? Or do you want to waller in the pity of a world that tells you that you have nothing and that the only thing that can save you is the return of your God himself because otherwise you will fail? Jesus died for us to give us those authorities so we could fight for him and win and fight with him and win. And that's where I place my footsteps and my stance. That's the hill that I now stand on. That's the sword that I now carry. And that's the sword that I will wield against an enemy. And as we step into those authorities, this isn't pride or arrogance. This is embracing what God is asking us to do. Walk in what I gave you. And again, there's the hope. Because if we have those authorities and we live into those authorities, no enemy can stand against us. No weapon forged against us can succeed. That doesn't mean you won't get cut. That doesn't mean you won't get stabbed. It means it will not succeed in its intent of trying to destroy you. This is a war. This is a battle. On a daily basis, it's a battle. On a grand scope, this is a war of good versus evil, of life versus death. And the question is, do you want to live into life and speak life, or do you want to live into the spirit of death and tell yourself you're living in life? Because that's where most people are these days. They're convincing themselves that they're speaking and into life when, in fact, they're telling themselves, I walk in death. And they look to the moments of life, and they turn to others, and they say, pray for me, please. I don't know that I can get through this. What is that? It should be, pray with me, please, so that we can all get through this greater than we could just with one alone. This enemy has nothing on us. It has mind games. It has deceit. It has fear. Those are its main tools. And when we allow those things to work against us, it then has the most insidious ways of destroying people. It has the influence of getting us as a people. Imagine this. It has convinced us as a people that sons and daughters of God, it has convinced us that the blessings of children should be few in a family because we can't afford it. That it's better to have a few children and then have your seed cut so that you can enjoy the rest of your life having fleshly sex rather than receiving more gifts from God in terms of children. Marriages become a thing, not a, not a covenant with him. They become somebody that we're attracted to because of their physical nature, the way they look, the way they do their hair, the way they dress, maybe the way their body build is. We're not seeing in their heart, and that's what God needs us to do. And the enemy laughs because he has literally convinced us to destroy the ability for God to prosper and to grow. And we're doing it ourselves. This is the things that have to change if we want to win. And it's hope. Because when we understand what the enemy's doing, then it's easy to stop and reset. It's easy to undo what was done. We can do all of those things. And then when we put our prayers into things, there is nothing that we cannot accomplish. Nothing. And God will move mountains. He'll move mountains in your heart. He'll move mountains anywhere he needs. And you will see those mountains move. 
But our main pivot has to be of who are we? Because we're not of this world. We're of heaven. We're of a realm of the spirit first and the fleshly second. Ask yourself why every single thing in this world has to become sexualized. Why is that such a big deal? Why is it so important to the engines of this world that every single thing has to be sexualized from children in preschool, seeing homosexual and same-sex type experiences in school and their textbooks that are little more than comics, pornography comic books, to the sexualization of advertising and the sexualization of everything, the diminishing of the woman. Why? Because then we have to go all the way back to the garden. And we have to take that moment when Eve was ambushed and we have to translate that to the modern day. And we have to take it so that we as men always look at the woman as the fault of all things. And then they pit us against each other because they tell women you're being unjustly treated. So you need to be better than men. And they create this constant circle of fighting and infighting and instability. And we fail to realize that it's supposed to be Adam and the rib that created Eve. Do you understand that? We are one made from the same where the two to the one becomes one and the greatness of that be creates a power and a force that cannot be corruptible if we stand in it. But we don't too often because we don't value what it is to literally bring a rib into our life. We don't value what it is for us to walk together side by side and fight. So the challenge I leave with everybody tonight is quite simple. It's fundamentally this, choose whom you serve. And if you choose God, then you have to choose it all. There's no in between. You can't step on the side and say a little bit of this and a little bit of that. It is the book. It is his word. It is all true or it's not true from front to back. That means deliverance. That means casting out demons. That means raising the dead. That means doing greater works like walking on water and things we can't even imagine. And it doesn't tell you how necessarily you get there, though I think it is there. We just have to dig deeper because part of it is the refining fires that God puts in us that burns away the dross and leaves only the silver. And we are then allow him to reforge that silver into something greater and more powerful in this earth. But if everything is there is true, or everything in there is, isn't true. I choose yes, it is all true. And with that, I look at the enemy and I laugh. I say, you've got nothing on me. You can't touch me, no matter where you place me, no matter what you do to me, because at the end of the day, I'm a son of the most high. I am not of this world, but I'm a steward, I'm a king, I'm a prince of this world because God says so. Because there's, and to, just to make sure I can clarify that, there's only one king, but we have the authorities of a stewards of this world. So choose whom you serve. And if you choose Jesus and you choose God and you're, we're speaking in his name before God and we understand that all of our prayers are answered, then this is 100% all in to destroy this enemy and do it in the spiritual places that we know we have authority and we know that we can. And that's it. This fight ends. The enemy is destroyed. 
And we could make that happen tomorrow if we believed. And I believe. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today very humbled and blessed. We're honored by all that you are, all that you do. And all that you give. A loving God, a forgiving God, a merciful God, a God that nurtures us, a God that raises us up, a God that leads us and guides us, that provides all that we need. And yet, Father, we find our ways constantly to disbelieve who you are, to tell ourselves that somehow the father of lies has greater authority than you. That's our sin. And so, Father, we bring that sin before you tonight, a sin of a nation that has quite literally wandered so far away from you that it truly believes that this demigod, one of the fallen of heaven, has greater authorities than you. Forgive us, O Lord. Forgive us, Father, for what we have done. For we repent not just for ourselves in those times of, of, of error and stumbling, but we also repent for a nation that doesn't believe. And so, Father, we ask this, this night as well for the anointing of the warrior heart of Christ and all that hear and listen and accept to raise us up in such a mighty way, to be true powers in this time, to lead those in the darkness, to shatter the strongholds of the enemy, to smote every demon and cast him to the lake of fire, to set people free, to keep ourselves free, and to raise them up in the mightiness of the body of Christ. Father, we ask and declare ourselves to be those sons and daughters of the Most High, your children, and we declare this on this night. And with this, we give ourselves 100% to you for all things that we do. And we walk in the yes. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, patriots. Take it to prayer and take it to the throne. Buckle up if you're going to walk this way. Because walking in the yes is everything. But it's all things. And there's nothing greater that we can do. And not a better world that we can live in. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow morning for bended knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again. Dive into the deepest dead. Oh.